0: Welcome back to another episode of the Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host Jared Jacobus, and Joel is back in the house, back in the house, back in the Lord's house.
1: 2024,
0: we're here. Let's we did do it. it. We made it. Let's go. It's good to have you back. Thanks for having me. Uh, it feels like a whole year since we recorded last it's, time. It,
1: it, yeah. Well, it it's been since last year that we yeah. did.
0: Yeah, well, it's good to kick things off. Here we go. Do you do uh, Do you do resolutions? Not really. No. No. Do you uh, you have any like goals or accomplishments that start your year?
1: You know, like I, I the idea of goal setting. Well, goal setting is a very good idea and yeah, for to, sure. to write them down um, to be working towards them all the time so i think that i'm i'm in a season of my life of accomplishing goals that i've written down that are more medium to long term goals yeah so what, what
0: what's the length of a
1: long term goal well, you know, like there's some things we're doing here at the church that uh, uh, related to our giving, related to our staff. Those are five years, you know, to get those accomplished and moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then, you know, I, I I've been on a easily five year long slow and steady directional change as it's related to my sleep and my eating and my exercising my energy level and so you know when when the new year comes around I think what I probably do is just evaluate where oh, I yeah. am
0: yeah so are you 5 years into that or no, that's I would like say a 5 year
1: plan well, I would say that like, I'm probably about five years in and, and that it's, that's not a five year. That's like a whole life. That's not like a destination. That's a direction yeah. of just my whole life of, you know, one piece is, you know, people get crazy about diets and we could talk about diets all day long. My wife is a, a clinical counselor and a therapist related to eating disorders. And I learned and have learned a ton from her about what is healthy when it comes to um, um, eating goals and what you should eat and what is a healthy approach to food and what's an unhealthy approach to food. And, you know, and so I've learned a lot. And the main thing that, you know, I've learned that I started doing several years ago now, probably five years ago now, is um, making the lion's share, if not almost all of my diet, nutritious foods that are fuel yeah food that is necessary for for being healthy and and
0: does that um, constitute like clean
1: so like clean is a word that if you get into the the diet culture side eating disorder world clean is not a good term to use because it designates that there are good foods and bad foods oh, okay and there's like in in like the healthy mind towards food there's no such thing as good food and bad food okay there's food that is that should be eaten appropriately at the appropriate time and in the appropriate amount but like uh, you know, to say, like, ice cream's not clean is to say, like, ice cream's not good. And, I get you. And ice cream is good. Yeah. it it's, In the
0: right context.
1: Yeah. In the right amount. And, and so it's not a bad thing. It's just not a staple. It is, but it has all this other intrinsic value for social and the experience of food and enjoying food. And so if you get to this place where you're all or nothing, then you're in, you're in trouble because that comes with restriction. And then when yeah. restriction leads you to trouble, and then usually when people restrict, they, they have a really bad rebound. Like they, yeah. they, 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 most people, I think my wife taught me one time, this was years ago, that if you go on a diet, like 80, 90% of people, who go on diets um, at a certain point within a year or so gain all their weight back and usually 15 to 20% more. Wow. Because restriction is not a healthy way to view food. And all the people that like are really highly trained athletes, ones that perform all the time, they don't restrict. They eat lots of food lots of calories, lots of nutrient rich foods. And so you should be feeding your body what your body craves when you are, you know, going throughout your life. And if you really learn to listen to your body, it will it's smart. Unless you have something wrong, it will tell you like you you do better when you eat a lot of nutritious protein. You do better when you have you know, good fruits and good vegetables in your system, you will feel it. You will experience health and goodness. And you will feel it when, you know, like if you're emotionally eating and you're just pounding candy, like you're doing that to satiate like emotional problem, but then you feel like crap. Yeah. So you if you just eat a bunch of candy, then you, you, you know, you get in trouble. And so I I eat everything, but I eat several things the same every day not for pleasure but for um uh i eat for fuel i eat for nutrients i need i eat to make sure that my body and what i'm doing is well maintained and and is able to grow and get strong yeah and so that's um, good to know Yeah, it's kind of a, kind of, it's a very, very, you know, rich conversation. Yeah. Uh, You know, people will get into all types of things. And basically when you get into foods are bad and I'm restricting and, you know, I'm going to just go to go on a diet and a, you know, a cleanse and all that stuff. Like, okay, some of those things are okay, but not as like, that's my way. Like I go through the cycle, I do the diet and then I stop. You need to find a, a, a healthy, consistent, lifelong approach to food. Like um, Steve Jobs said at the end of his life, um, eat your food like medicine, or you will eat medicine like food. Wow. So when we're eating, it should be that every day we're viewing food as a resource to do life and all that. Um, and, and then you'll, you start to listen. If I'm going to go to the gym every day, if I'm going to work hard and be smart at my job, if I'm going to have energy, if I'm going to be a good parent, if I'm going to be, then food becomes this thing. And if you got other stuff going on, you got to deal with that because food can just become like this thing you use to just like drugs or anything else that you use to, you know, deal with, with unsolved stuff. So I regress. That's the tip of the iceberg as it's related to all of that. I'm not the expert on it, but uh, years and years ago, my wife sent me down that pathway of, you know, and so every day I eat basically the exact same thing until dinner time. Every day, that's awesome. I eat that makes it easy. I I have 30 grams of protein in the morning on the way to the gym. I have a protein like supplement thing that gives me another 30 grams. I eat. Th- 36 to 40 grams of eggs, I eat 70 grams of chicken, and then uh, I eat rice or a complex carbohydrate. Then I uh, have fruit and yogurt for fats and sugars and more carbohydrates and with granola or nuts. And then at the end of the day, I just make sure that my dinner has like a strong protein, a strong carbo like complex carbohydrate and maybe some greens or some you know some vegetables
0: that's what I eat every day.
1: Is there a reason except for uh you
0: know holidays. Yeah, off like every yeah. once in a while you have an yeah. off day. Is there a reason you use the metric system instead of the empirical system?
1: You mean for like grams? Yeah. Like how many times? it's funny. I don't know. Because the reason why is because uh when you're going down the road of trying to make sure that you feed your body the appropriate amount of protein to gain weight and to sustain muscle growth you you basically have to eat a gram it's all in it's a gram, gram. per your body okay. weight so that's why yeah. so i'm aiming for 210 grams of protein every day wow that's a lot of protein yeah. so but i make sure i get it yeah it's 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 and it's not again it's is not is it ever
0: hard so that's, that the, that's the
1: next part of the thing. It, it was. Yeah. Now it's not. And that's like anything. Like getting to the point where we actually want what's best for us is like the key. It's the secret sauce. Yeah. Like we want, you know, that whole book we talked about in the podcast a while back. We, we are what we want. You know, what we desire is kind of we're, we're beings of m- movement and we're like, you know, what are these existential sharks that like yeah. we are going to move towards something? We're people who desire things and need things and, and go after things. And so, our natural proclivity is not to necessarily understand and then, therefore, pursue or at a real motivational level, pursue things we really want. So, we have to move into the space of going, I need to change what I actually want. To what is actually best. Yeah.
0: And that's so really
1: good. when you're going after what you want, but you shouldn't want, and then you go, okay, according to God, according to health, according to you know what I've learned, this is what is best. It's what I should want. Apply this to anything. Uh, your relationship with your wife, your relationship to food, your relationship to friendships, your relationship to just anything. What is healthy? And let's see if I can get my general my genuine motivation towards that when you wake up every day and you actually want to be with God, it's a, it's you, it's the result of discipline. Yeah. It's the result of, of also having the mindset that like, I have a lot of growth to do. I know I need to progress. I know there's another direction I need to go. I naturally drift this way. I believe that God has something better for me. What should I want? What's best or what is according to my values? And then, man, life is a whole lot easier if you wake up every day and you naturally chase after the things that God says that you should. So it's like, you know, um, you can you can go through measures of discipline, and usually, if it is actually more healthy and good for you, then if you force yourself and go on a pattern of changing a discipline, and that's why the the January resolution thing is is sometimes like. Scary because what we're doing is we're going. I'm gonna do this right now in this moment, but I, am I really thinking about a long term trajectory? I've talked about this in, in Sunday mornings. Like at some point, it shouldn't it shouldn't be a massive change. Yeah, it should be a new direction that you start off down and you're headed that way your whole life. It's yeah. not about the the end result; it's the direction, and you're happy in the pursuit of continuing to move towards the best things. So when January comes around it's like maybe instead of making a massive change you evaluate whether or not you need to. Yeah. And if you if you made long-term goals then at a certain point you shouldn't in theory need to make a big change. Yeah. You should refine, you know, or just say keep going. You know, so like with my food I'm just like keep going like i just keep having great results and my energy levels going higher and my my performance in the gym is getting stronger and i'm just like okay but it's true the same thing is true with alcohol yeah so alcohol is another one right like people do dry, dry january well like like so i i you know the biblical the theology around alcohol is you know I, it, I think it's fine to, to consume alcohol for certain moments you know and and for celebration and and you know I mean people I've heard certain pastors try to argue that when Jesus turned water into wine that it was, that was like not refined water yeah. yeah like it was like you know one parts alcohol and eight parts wine and it was just to purify the water which is just, just the most ridiculous thing in the world. You know, so, so, uh, so I believe Jesus drank wine and, and uh, I believe he had wine at the, at the uh, last supper, (laughs) you know, I mean, the, 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 uh, the Passover meal had it, you know, so it's part of their culture and just like anything else, good thing, terrible God, it can ruin your life. If you, if you, if it takes control and you can't control your appetite for it, that's a big conversation. We all have appetites and they need to be, you know, fed appropriately. And you
0: have to understand what they are in the right
1: way. And, you know, so like, you know, humans have an appetite for social interaction. We have an appetite for community. We have an appetite for joy and celebration and happiness and, and honor and moments of, of reflection and, and enjoyment. And so that's what parties are. That's what weddings are. That's, that's a great wonderful, beautiful thing. Well, some people, you know, that that alcohol thing, it, you know, it it they like it too much. And it's becomes part of their everyday or becomes part of, you know, for, you know, I even even in my life, I've had times where I would easily have a drink, you know, once a week, three times a week. You know, a couple nights a week I'd have maybe like a just like a cocktail or in the summer I have a beer. Um like whatever. And, and I think it's fine. And sometimes I still do, but as I have moved in the direction of listening to my body more than ever and knowing like what it craves, how it feels the best along with getting older. Uh, I just, I don't actually want alcohol right now. Like it, is, I have not had a drink probably since the middle of December.
0: Yeah, that's a good realization. But it's not.
1: It's not because I think it's wrong, and I'm not restricting. It's not hard.
0: Yeah, it's because you don't desire. My
1: own, I don't. I have no. I have no interest in going home tonight and having a beer or two, and probably it's you know at two. Well, I don't drink much right now, so you know if I had one like bourbon shot or whatever, one bourbon drink, an ounce or something, like I would probably feel it the next morning a little bit. But if I'm going to go to the gym. I don't want to be tired. Yeah, I'm already, I have, you know, I need sleep. I need good sleep. So then, if you know, if I have a glass of wine, like a full glass of wine, I'm not going to sleep that well. So it's yeah. not that there's something wrong with wine and there's not something wrong with not sleeping that well and having a celebration. And when I have a glass of wine, I'm thinking I'm not getting up in the morning because I don't, because I why? I'm just, I need to sleep more. I'm, this is, this, I'm, I'm making this choice to celebrate right now to be in this moment and to experience this joy and these people and this and, and, and what's happening here. So, um, uh, for me, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bragging about it or, or anything. I'm telling you, like... You just know what you want. I just don't actually desire it. Yeah. And, and it wasn't necessarily because of a, a discipline to not drink. It was the discipline to make decisions daily that fuel me related to what I put in my body so that I can live life to the fullest, so that I can yeah. be as strong as I want to be. I can be present with my kids. I can be alert when I need to be. I can sleep well. I can exercise well, all of those things. And so as I've made that my des- my kind of direction, there's just certain things that I'm like, I don't really, that, yeah. you, know, you know, you're fair. going on a journey. And you really want to get there. And that journey is you want to live a life like Christ. You want to be able to spend yourself. You want to have energy. You want to be able to love. You want to be a good listener. You want to be a great husband. You want to be a great father. You want to be a great leader. You want to do things well and bring glory to God as you're on that trajectory every day. And you're thinking of it as the actual steps you take. This meeting to that meeting to that thing to this thing to that thing. It's not that those things are bad. It's just Like if you're any journey, right? If you're like, I'm going to go, we're going to the top of that mountain, you know, then you're sitting at the bottom of the mountain and there's lots of great things. Well, what about this big TV? Don't we want to bring this TV? Dude, it's going to make the journey like a pain. Like we can't put that TV, like, no, we're leaving that. It's not that that's bad. It's just that if, if I'm going here, I don't want excess stuff dragging along, pulling along all this junk with me that I have to deal with all the time because it slows me down. So, or slows me down, or it makes the the burden, it makes the trip more difficult. Pace is not necessarily that important. It's just, I can't, this is way harder. I'm just trying to take one step at a time. That's the analogy. So then, but if I get to a certain summit and uh, there's a guy named Rick sitting over there (laughs) and he's got a bottle of wine, you know, and I'm like, I'm not going to hike tomorrow. Yeah. I'll have a, you know, whatever. Like again, so that, that's my take on it. That's 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 my take on resolutions. Yeah, I think good. that if you if you don't exercise, you know, at least 5 times a week, you ought to consider your values. What does your body mean to you? What does the Bible say about your body? It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um we're supposed to work every single day and bring glory to God with our hands with our muscles, with our, are you taking care of your body? You know, um, don't, don't do some crazy thing. Start moving in the direction of doing something that you can do at a sustainable pace Yeah, and then grow on that. Um, I did CrossFit starting in 2012. I did it three days a week for like eight years. It's all I can handle. Yeah. And then I moved to four, and now I do six or five wow. to five to six, but it's not because I'm like I gotta do this. That I want it, I crave it. I wake up in the morning, and even on the sleepiest days when I'm just like, oh, I could use some more sleep. You just I'm can't like, wait to I get can't there. wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I love the way. But it, it wasn't makes it. always that way, no. right? And that's why you've got to have. The clarity of direction. Yeah. And then uh, an honest commitment to a, a trajectory change that is a realistic one. It's usually not super dramatic. It's usually incremental. And it is something sustainable. And then the incremental grows into something more macro. And and so that that's my take on yours. it's the the beginning of the year is just a great time to go what's going on you know yeah, with me evaluate yeah health relationships consumption exercise mental health emotional health what is it that i need to do yeah um and 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 am i doing those things or do i need to make a change and so it can be the start for someone of like a whole new Des, you know oh, for sure. journey which is yeah. great so i'm not I, I would never say to someone like oh those are junk i would say don't do it as a fad don't do it once a year do it this year so that next year you don't restart you you're at level three yeah you're continuing you've moved on and you're growing and it's evolving um so
0: that's a really good intro there you go welcome man. to the podcast welcome. everybody. there we go the rest Let's jump into the recap. Yeah. So, uh, this week was part one of Humble Beginnings, Middles, and Ends. Joel started off with debunking the myth that you only need to be humble during the beginning of whatever you're setting out to master, and that eventually you get to a point where you are permitted to be prideful because you've reached the pinnacle of mastering that thing. Um, that, in fact, humility isn't a stage of existing, but the way we are designed to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be We want to explain, um, sorry, we went on to explain that the biblical reality is what leads us to humility Mm -hmm. and that God gives us the order in which we are to become humble. Uh, Mm -hmm. We as humans are made to live in submission to God. We are an inferior position to God. Mm -hmm. One of the downfalls of having an incorrect order is that we can become people pleasers in an effort to obtain value from others instead of living life in the context of desiring what God wants us to do and how God wants us to live. Mm -hmm. Joel then talked about uh, when we see God more clearly for who he is, um, we naturally just want to submit to him more and he moves closer to us. Mm -hmm. Lastly, we touched on the idea that we as humans desire to be clothed in power and we don't want to be stripped of self. But it's only when we fully submit to God that we become more humble and actually gain self Mm -hmm. in the realest sense what was your inspiration for wanting to do this series that's a great question uh you know I I, I thought uh,
1: what I what I do typically I do order my years around the calendar year in terms of like series yeah and what I'm gonna teach so I I, I you know I have a running list of things that I want to teach about and things that I feel are important um things that I've touched on things that I haven't and this was just one that I never had touched on.
0: Yeah. Do and you ever like have an experience or like notice something in the church that you think like, oh this will be a really necessary series yeah, for this,
1: the, for this the, point. the notion of humility is one it's constant. yeah It's like the air we breathe well, or pride, yeah the necessity, the need uh, it's, it's just, it's just in every interaction. It's in every conversation. It's in every counseling session I'm having with a couple or a friend or a a person in the church that needs help or any, um, any staff development stuff. There's, there's the issue of pride. There's the issue of servanthood and the entire Christian life lives in the, you know, in the shadow of what, what N.T. Wright said that the, uh, what did he say? The primary ethic for the Christian life is humility. Um So I, you know, I just, I just thought like, you know, in terms of overall uh growth and being someone that, you know, we look at at the beginning of the year and go, who do I want to be? That's the perfect target. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um And, you know, so the, the, the phrase humble beginnings, you know, so new year, humble beginnings. So that kind of was catchy and I'm like, oh, we can use that for a January, like starting out well, um, series, but it, it's something that, um, man, so I struggle with it all the time with Arrogance or pride. Um,
0: when did you realize that it was a struggle? Um Did you have like kind of a, a revelational moment that it, it hit you?
1: You know what's so interesting is I I've had lots of I had lots of moments where what was actually arrogance from me. You know, and arrogance is self elevation. Seeing yourself inaccurately,
0: yeah,
1: higher than uh, than you you ought to. Um, you know, like I think Paul says, don't think of yourself. You ought not think of yourself higher than those around you, or. So arrogance kind of comes out in this like bravado and self elevation and what you say and then what you do and jumping to the front of the line because I'm more important and my time is more important. And 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 so whatever, it's like we're saying that thing because everyone needs to hear what I have to say. And arrogance is just so uh, subterranean that yeah, you, it you, is. you're experiencing it. At a level all the time, and you don't know. There were times growing up, high school, college, where I would, I would do something or say something that was arrogant. I know that now, like looking back, where where was that coming from? What was the attitude I had at that moment towards myself? Um, and uh, it was praised by people. You know, as boldness or charisma, riz. Yeah, you know, it's a popular word right now. It was it was praised, and so for me, that's where the problem came: is um, not being boisterous or, or or being bold or or being vocal or having you know talent or gifts that are public are not. Ne- it's not necessarily you know synonymous with arrogance, but when Arrogance exists, and then you do something and people celebrate it. And they fuel it. They fuel it. So for me, I had a lot of that. I had a lot of, you know, you're really good at that. Oh, my gosh, keep doing that. Whatever. Whatever it was. You're funny. You're whatever. So—
0: Well, they probably didn't say you're funny. They did something. (laughs) A couple times. (laughs) A couple times. But, uh, yeah, So so for me—
1: as I got that kind of reinforcement, some of it was really good because some of it was built confidence in me of, of what my skills are, what my potential is, and some of it made me elevate too high. And I think there was a time in college. I to, I've told this story before, but there was a time in college where I was in a in a, a theology class. We were arguing about a hot topic theology issue, yeah. and I had this kind of resolve around it from this, I went to a a Bible college before that, and it was a very strict one. And they had a very kind of heavy handed dogma. And I, I like stood up very black and white yeah, and spouted that off. And it, you know, it comes off as just like indefensible and, you know, because I had studied and it's like, you know, it sounds like it's authority. And so but the topic was about women and their their roles and i had no sensitivity to what i was saying and i had not done the full study i just was going to say something that i knew sounded smart and that these people didn't know because i went somewhere and they hadn't heard it and we're in this class so i just spouted this thing off and this girl track me down the parking lot after class ever tell you you ever hear the story yeah Yeah. and she like called she's like you know you're a real a-holes she looked at me said that and i was just like shocked you know like what like me i'm doing everyone a favor you know (laughs) type of thing like but it was it was that moment that was a moment where i i realized you know like the way you feel inside joel and the, the what you think that's not what everyone else thinks that's not what it's coming off as. It's not coming off as good and helpful and you know whatever you think it is. It's coming off as you don't listen, you're arrogant, you're a bully. And that's when I, you know, I had a couple other experiences throughout college where I realized that that's how people saw me. You know, and and that sometimes it was it was merited. You know, it was arrogant. And then sometimes it was jealousy or sometimes it was, you know, an attack, Uh, you know, just someone didn't like me or whatever, but that there was a plenty that was, was arrogant. So that's kind of a harsh
0: reality to discover. Yeah, it is.
1: And, and, but, you know, I'm thankful that I did because it, you, you, you know, you need, you need to learn about your blind sides and learn we're all dealing with it. Right. You know, like, you know, in your interaction with your wife, your interaction with your, your kids, your whatever, you know, it's just like, what's motivating you? How do you see yourself? How do you, what's your attitude about you and what your role is in the world? And how is that affecting the way you talk, the way you treat people? It's like, so this whole thing about humility, and I'll talk about this this week, but it's humility is not like a, it's not a target, you know? It's not like I'm going to aim to be humble. Yeah, humility is is a pursuit of all kinds of different actions and attitudes that, in summary, e- equal humility. It's like when someone is a servant and a good listener and slow to speak, you know, type of thing, and and eager, curious, and uh, uh, helpful, uh, and um, quiet, uh, at the right time and asks good questions and whatever you start, the, all those things, you, when someone becomes all those different pieces, you just go, that's a very humble person. It's just like the, it's like a banner. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that there's humility. Well, what is humility? Well, man, they were like, really, you listened to me really well. So, um, you just... When, when we when we start to pursue Christ and we we really want to be like him, you know he is he is humble And all those attributes equal that.
0: So we did a couple of things in this uh, this last Sunday that um, I think a lot of us crave more of and one mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. was during worship we were invited to lift our hands mm-hmm. and um, actually like express our praise to mm-hmm. God and then the other. Was we were invited to kneel before God and physically, yeah, give him our humble reverence. Mm -hmm. So, um, at least for me, it it felt like being given permission and being led into that. Yeah, um, just was like a richer experience Mm -hmm. with God, Mm -hmm. and I, I could feel in the room that it wasn't this awkward thing. It was like people wanted that.
1: Yeah, they want they want to they want to actively pursue God. Yeah. So I think you know the thing about raising hands is in in church culture there's a culture that raises its hands. Yeah. That's just that's just what they do. And so it's almost like this is us. This defines us. And then if you don't do it it's like do you really love God? All that. And that's where I that's where I'm like you don't have to raise your hands to love God you know yeah the, for the, sure so that that that's where it gets like nah that, that's that's not it but but genuinely before god at, at moments raising your hands it's the same thing as singing out loud it's a posture thing right yeah it's uh and it takes humility yeah it really does you know and and honestly like to like think about when you raise your hands or clap your hands, and every pastor talks about like a football game, like the reason you're doing that is like the thing that you're clapping for, the it's like worth it. Yeah, you're like, This is awesome. Yeah, you know, so so you're almost like, I'm in, man, I'm a Buckeye. You raise your hand, or or like, you know, when those moments when the jets fly over and the during the national anthem and you're moved and you clap or you're like, yeah, you raise your hand, like, because there's something bigger. You're like ascribing to this, this uh, you're honoring this thing that you're really submitting yourself to. Yeah. And so worship is that in that way. You're like, I, I lift my hands up like to you like that's like a very like almost like what a kid does to their parent like lift me up like I I really see you as as my need and as something that's higher than me that's worthy of my attention and my focus and my honor and so I think that to do that to God is 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 a profound act of faith
0: yeah, definitely. Of conviction
1: is. with action, believing that there's a God, believing that you're talking to him, believing that you're offering yourself in submission to him, that's that's a big deal. So I think people do want to actively express their faith. And yeah. when it is that way, and it's not just, oh, we just do this because this is what Christians do. We're doing this because this is a moment because we're moved. Yeah, into. we're moved to.
0: So I I, I agree with that. Um, Going back to um, our ability to embody humility, do you think um, insecurity plays a significant part in our ability?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so
1: insecurity, uh, we talked about this, I think, in staff meeting. Insecurity really comes from a cracked foundation. Like that's, if you think about anything that's insecure... It means that something that is supposed to bolster whatever you've got is loose, right? So if the door handle was loose, it's not just the door handle. It's like the screws in the door. Yeah. So you work your way down to the foundational elements, right? And then if the door is connected, the handle's connected well to the door, but the whole thing's shaken, then you move to the hinges. And you're like, okay, is this foundationally right? And then if that's right, but it's all shaken, now the wall you know you keep moving until you get to the lowest portion and yeah. you go, this is the problem. So insecurity is is a means that there's something fundamentally not tight, not secure, not uh, 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 strong and and concrete. And so for for people when they don't have good parenting, when they don't have a good father figure, when they don't when they're abused, when they have trauma, that's not just that's not just an assault that causes damage it, it in its presence there is the absence of all kinds of fundamental things that are needed to lay a foundation so that someone can grow up and be a secure person so what you find is that when someone is fundamentally cracked and there's the foundation or the constitution isn't tight and solid like a bridge that they feel that.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And, and, and they start, they, they experience it in their life. So there's a deficiency. It might be the way they feel. It might be the way people react to them. It might be, any, you know, it might be how they do in something and then how that makes them feel. But so what happens is, is compensation starts to happen. Yeah. So the foundation's not there, but man, that means that the world may not accept me because something is wrong with me. So I've got to like overdo it. So, you know, the bridge looks beautiful and great and it, you know, but you walk up you to it. Just and it's paper and you just don't want to drive it. You don't want to drive across <laughs> it because it has no constitution. Yeah. So that's where arrogance is like it, it, that's where um when someone is arrogant but they have no constitution, it's 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 relative. It's not just like, oh, that's the most arrogant person in the world. It's oh, that person is way out of touch with who they really are. Yeah. Like they're like cracked and, and they have like all these issues, but they're just, they're just covering it up with Instagram. Yeah. And so it just looks awesome. And then it's like, that's too much. Like that's a thirst grab. Like you are really trying to get people to like say you're important because why? Because you don't feel important because you have a cracked, yeah, something you know? Going on. So then, so then when you, that's where it's like, now is that person the most arrogant person I've ever met? No, they just, they're arrogant for who they really are. It's like, that's not who that is. Yeah. So if you don't know them, you might just be like, what a cool person. Yeah. That person's interesting. That person's cool. But then, when you know someone, and you're like, "Dude, this is all just a bunch of freaking fake." Like, you are you going to deal with your crap? Like, you that's not even like, just <laughs> not even who you are. Like, it's all just like insecurity that is manifesting in an overreach for validation externally because you lack the fundamental pieces, and 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 so that's where it's like, okay, it's not your fault necessarily that you lack the fundamental pieces that you can't supply to yourself when you're a child. But at some point it's your responsibility to go, I lack, you know, the fundamental, instead of your anger or whatever, being like, I'm angry. So it's your fault to your wife or your friend or your, your parents or your job. It's I'm angry. Why am I so angry? Why am I so angry? And if it's, if it's like, well, because they're touching on a nerve, what's the nerve? It's a loose, it's a loose piece, you know, where it's like, if you're a secure person, you know, your parents teach you things. They're like, you're not going to be good at everything. That's okay. And then you like live in a house where they actually don't have anxiety when you're not great at everything. Yeah, And they're like, it's okay. I heard this one girl the other day said that her dad every day would, or once a week at dinner would ask the girls uh, what they failed at. Oh,
0: interesting. That's a good question. And
1: and, and the the whole time growing up, they were just like, what in the world? Why are you asking me, you know, this? But what he wanted them to know is like, that's okay. Yeah. Because failing is part of progress. Failing is part of learning. And so get comfortable with it. Right? And so, so... When a person is is learning, like it's okay, you don't you don't have to have it all figured out. So then you go to your job, and it's like not a fit. And your boss comes in, and they're like, you know, like you're supposed to be doing this job, and like I just I don't know, you're not doing it right, or you're not working. You know, you can sit there and be like, you're, I'm great at my job. I, I what I'm this or that, or you can go like, you know, i I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Like, that's like a part of me that like, I know isn't there, but I'm still secure. You're not, you're not attacking the fundamentals. And then a parent that really builds foundation is God loves you for who you are. And then they treat you out of, they love you for who you are, not what you do. Like they show unconditional love regardless of behavior. And then they correct because they love so much. Yeah. But it doesn't turn into super intense violence and raising of the yelling. And because that communicates there's something wrong with you fundamentally, not just you did something wrong. Yeah. So I don't want to get into I digress. But like when someone lacks constitution, arrogance is an overreach that they do. And so a lot of people who lack constitution, a lot of arrogant people are, have massive lacks
0: in, in constitution. Yeah. Um, and do you think it's something that um, they can self actualize, or do you think, think there they, has to be like no, an I external? Think, I, I
1: think I think you have to uh, you have to realize it, and then you have to uh, heal. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, some of the language in, in, in that whole world is self parent. Yeah, you know, so you got to grieve. And that's no small thing. You didn't get parented. You didn't get what you need. It is sad. Grieve it. Name it. Talk about it. Feel it. Cry about it. All very important. And then it's, okay, now you, you have to self-parent yourself. So if you were talking to you and you were your parent, what would you tell them to do right now? <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like, well, I tell them to get up and <laughs> get a shower or whatever. That's you know, good. it's like, so you you have to, you. That's, that's the challenge is you, and then if you never take responsibility for wherever you are when you, when you, when the light comes on, do you know what I mean by yeah. that? Yeah. You'll never
0: move past it.
1: You, you, yeah. You just blame it on your parents your whole life. Yeah. And and it doesn't. It, it's 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 nuanced. There's sophistication in it. Your your challenges are very real, and and they're no they're no small thing, and they weren't your fault. But once the light comes on, once the once the dust settles, yeah. Once you, see yeah. And it. it's like for guys, it's like you know you're 22 or you're 27. For girls, it's usually earlier. You know, with the development of the brain. But there's a moment with a guy. When they're light, you go. Oh, I get it. Okay, okay. I have. I make decisions. I I can choose my own path here. They're not here anymore. Yeah. I got to do this. And usually, what will happen is people go. I'm going to make my life better, but I'll never forgive and I'll never heal that part. And I'll 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 uh, fix my past by. You know, doing better, right? Like the greatest revenge is living well, or whatever type of thing. Like I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do the opposite of what was done for me, and uh, that that's not completely horrible, but it it, it lacks the fullness yeah. of healing and and teaching yourself, and and not and not saying I'm just gonna do the opposite, but I'm also going to try to figure out how I can gain as an adult some of the things. That I didn't get when I was when I was a kid, um, and so that's a process that a lot of people have to go on as well. But,
0: yeah, it's kind of like um, you notice the mess, mm-hmm. and instead of cleaning it up, you shove it in a closet and don't open the door again. Yeah, exactly,
1: you know? exactly. Like and then it needs cleaned up. It needs cleaned up. It's a problem. And, uh, even
0: and, if you didn't make it, even if you didn't it make it still needs cleaned up.
1: Yep. You get to sit there and you're like, you want to deal with that your whole life? You want to never have any room? You want to never yeah. have any whatever? And, and, and so humble is reality, right? Humble is when we see ourselves, who we really are, uh, constitutionally who we are images of God, which is profound beauty, profound potential, profound power, profound love profound ingenuity like it who we like in, intrinsic value made in the image of god like just human beings yeah you know um it's a little bit grotesque but for the sake of getting people to understand when we think about the holocaust okay it is a way for us to understand the value of humanity because that type of genocide and dehumanization we abhor like we believe it's the most evil that can happen in the world well when we think about all those individuals who were who were killed and murdered we don't think about their character traits no right yeah that's not th- that's not what makes it wrong it's not that you know that family had ran this, you know, diamond store or that family was a, a family of teachers and they had all that, they did all these great things or these were pastors and these were, you know, shepherds or whatever they were. And you go, you go, these ones are important, but then the ones that were kind of poor or whatever, you, it doesn't matter. It's, it, it has nothing to do with their abilities, their skills, their whatever, At none of it. Yeah. It's all it's 100% equally evil and wrong to murder every one of them based on one simple fact, and that is they are 100% beautiful images of God. Yeah. And that's why we believe it's wrong. We don't believe it's wrong because of any other value system. So knowing that you are equally that value that you, and that you have that value without anything else yeah. is a fundamental. Yeah. You are that. So that's the beginning of reality. And then to know in that reality, I'm a child designed to listen, submit to God. This is how it works. It works with me under him doing what he says. That's the Genesis story. So, so in any of our in, in any if that's our disposition, if it's our attitude about ourselves, and it leads towards our actions, then that a person that just lives in submission to God, they they just view like they honor God, they they see themselves as subservient to God, they see themselves as um, a, a follower of God, a disciple of God, a, a a dependent of God. When someone is that, that's a humble person. That's that's a major piece of a humble person. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Why do you do that? Because I listen to God. Yeah. Why are you, you know, I mean, I see, you see it all the time. Go to a, we have people that are in all types of soup kitchens and clothing places for people. It's like you go there and you you meet these people. And why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? Because this is what God wants me to do.
0: Yeah. And they're correctly oriented. God wants
1: me to serve these people. Now, I, there's people in our church, remarkable people. They go to the, they go to the prisons every week. Dan Mazik, every week they go. Every week they go to the prison. Why do they do that? They do that because they're like, I believe God wants me to go there. Yeah. Because Jesus said, what you've done unto the least of these, you've done to me. You, When you visited the orphan, when you visited those that were in prison, when you visited those who didn't have food, you
0: visited me. And they're definitely not going because they want to go. They're I
1: mean, now again, they may end up wanting to go, and what a beautiful thing that is. Yeah. Right. But uh, but not all the time. And yeah. maybe not at first. And but they're going because they're going, I'm subservient to God. I submit, I submit my will to God. Yeah. And when you just look at someone that actually daily does something that where they're submitting to God, you you could probably say, man, man, that's a humble person. Yeah, and when I think about someone that does those things, I'm like, those are the humble, most humble people I know.
0: And they stand out.
1: They stand out. And they don't. They don't. They're not. And again, they're not. They're not thinking I'm trying to be humble.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: That's why humility is not the target. Humility is the result of the pursuit of the attributes of Christ. As you become like Him, it's like you're a servant, and then it's like pfft, you're under the banner of humility. Yeah. So, yeah. Anytime we do something where it's like, we don't want to say that to our wives and you say it, or you serve them and you're like nice in the morning and you're like, the heck can I help you today? And you know, you think about that. How can I help you today? You know, I talked about marriage and I said, it's, it's a commitment to daily self-giving acts. So you wake up every morning and you go, so what can I do for you today? Hey, I have this and I sent my, my wife a text the other day. I have this, I'm picking up milk on the way home on my radar and doing the dishes as soon as I get home on my radar. What else? And she said, "I want you to do this and put this in the dryer or something like that." Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be humble. You know, I'm not. But 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 if you like like, and I'm not that way all the time. But if someone just looked at that and they were like, "That that's what he sent his wife." That's a humble thing to do. Yeah, he's serving his wife. Why am I doing that? I am doing that because God told me that I'm supposed to. Submit myself to my wife, that God told me that I'm supposed to love my wife, the way that Christ loved the church, the way that, that I'm supposed to spend my life every day doing something to make her life better. That's it. That's the reason that I'm doing it. And yes, a lot of times I want to. But a lot of times I don't. Yeah. And actually sometimes when I don't is when I, when I'm when I'm better at it. Because it's almost like, you know, you don't want to do it and you intentionally have to yeah, do Yeah, be more go, intentionality. Okay, it. I'm going to say this and this is the right thing to do and all that. So, That's awesome. Humility is kind of an, an endless, Yeah. It's an endless soup.
0: Yeah, we can talk forever. Yeah. That's a good place to end for today. Um, I want to throw out a challenge to our listeners. Do it. So, this week, pick a person in your life that you don't normally serve and figure out a way that you can serve them. And then after you serve them, pray about it afterwards. Thank God for giving you the opportunity to serve them Um, in that way. And then ask God to use more moments like that to continue to orient your humility in the way God desires it for your life. All righty, we will see you next week for part two of Humble Beginnings, Middles and Ends on The Rest.